Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to 90.3 KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. You know, um, I can't recall a program in recent memory where I've sort of felt so out of sorts as we begin today. Uh, in part, I think it's because of the fact that I've discovered that one of these small muscles in the hip that helps you rotate seems to be out of whack in yours truly. I don't know which one it is. I remember studying them back in anatomy and I've forgotten all their individual names. All I know is when I make a certain move, it reminds me of its location. Complicating life is the fact that the next two shows uh, are going to be very labor-intensive. We think they're going to be very good shows. Looking forward to bringing them to you, but we're having to think a little bit um, down the road, and it took our kind of eye off the ball here. And uh, a lot of what's in the headlines is really hard to fathom for some reason this week. So let us proceed to uh, feel our way through today's uh, show as best we can. We have to start by bringing you some some bad news. Um, not tragic news, but bad news nonetheless. Apparently, if you've been looking for Dave Barry in your Sunday paper, uh, you're going to be disappointed because Dave Barry apparently has retired from writing weekly columns. This is quite a blow to this program, as on a regular basis we've liked to quote from Mr. Barry, counting on the fact that he he sort of sort of told us we could. We're going to have a harder time uh, finding some funny stuff in the future, but we'll do what we can, and I'm sure that uh, you know we'll be able to go to some of the archives for Dave Barry for a few laughs. Let's rely instead on The Funny Pages, uh, that book we got some, uh, some weeks back. Uh, some of the barn burners in here might be a good way to start the show. Let's pull three of them out. Joke from Melissa Maroff. The religious right is really getting out of control. Today they were at the grocery store blocking the home pregnancy test aisle. One from John Stewart. The Pope is on a goodwill tour of the Middle East. Who better to settle problems between Muslims and Jews than someone who's had experience persecuting both? And one by Bob Alpert to close out. The Torah has something to say about teenagers. According to one of the commentators, the reason that Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac at the age of 12 and not 13 is because... At 13, it wouldn't have been a sacrifice. All right, let's start out with a news item that I think kind of shows you. It's kind of a kind of a, an appropriate news item for today's show. It leaves me kind of scratching my head. Apparently, Fox Television last month premiered a new reality show called Who's Your Daddy? In it, a young woman who's been adopted was pitted against eight men, all claiming to be her biological father. By correctly identifying her real dad, 
she won a $100,000 prize. If she had guessed wrongly, apparently the imposter who deceived her would have claimed the cash. The show, rather predictably, uh, uh, you know, sparked outrage. Fox was deluged with angry phone calls. Adoption organizations declared themselves appalled, and viewers threatened to boycott the network. Yet, the show's creators insist their motives are pure. Quote, It sounded crass and tasteless, said executive producer Ken Mock. But we talked about the emotional poignancy of this series, and I signed on because I thought we could tell a thought-provoking story. This prompted a, a response from Adam Pertman in the Los Angeles Times, who, who pointed out the obvious, that Who's Your Daddy capitalizes on the vulnerabilities of adoptees and biological parents who generally lack the resources to conduct private searches. Research has shown that reunions are highly emotional, traumatic affairs that must be handled sensitively, not played out in a game show format in front of millions of gawkers. All right, how about this item from Sacramento, California, as reported in The Week magazine? California has become the first state to outlaw a powerful long-range rifle that was created for the military, but has recently grown popular with sportsmen. The 50 caliber Browning machine gun rifle accurately fires a 5-inch bullet from more than a mile away and can pierce thick armor. A spokesman for Governor Schwarzenegger called the rifle's a clear and present danger to the public. On the other hand, Michael Fournier, a gun dealer, said the state was chipping away at gun rights for no good reason, since there was no evidence the heavy and pricey rifles had ever been used in a crime. Now, um, I'm a little puzzled by this story. I'm not aware of any game out there that is using armor for protection, armor that needs to be penetrated, but, uh, you know, maybe my education has been incomplete. Uh, and we've heard this story about uh, laser scares. Pilots have been reporting lasers uh, shot at them. It's been kind of a strange story. Apparently, in New Jersey, the police hauled in a man, David Banach, for questioning after pilots reported a, a green beam coming from his backyard. Banach had apparently been entertaining his seven-year-old daughter with a laser pointer. They were pointing it at houses and up at the stars, his lawyer said. It's not a terrorist activity. All right, continuing our ambivalent news roundup. Remember Pakistani President Pervez Musharraf um, pledging to step down as Army Chief of Staff by the end of 2004? Well, he did. But then he thought better of it, saying Pakistan needs continuity of its internal and external policies, which can only be ensured if I stay as the Army Chief. Ah, yeah, more democracy in the Middle East. All right, <laughs> moving a few countries away. Kabul, Afghanistan is the dateline on this item. Uh, the Financial Times reported in, in January that uh, the opium crop uh, is doing very well, and civilian leaders have agreed with Afghan President Hamid Karzai, who wanted the heroin trade stopped before uh, elections coming up. Karzai fear, fears that warlords will use the heroin profits to influence the vote. But, get this. U.S. military leaders argue that disrupting the country's main agricultural product would be even more destabilizing to the elections. 
All right, here's an item Dateline, Washington, D.C. Apparently, two Washington insiders close to House Majority Leader Tom DeLay are being investigated for squeezing $80 million from six Indian tribes by promising them access to influential politicians. This comes out of the Washington Post. The tribes paid Republican lobbyist Jack Aramhoff exorbitant fees to push for laws favoring their casinos. He used much of it to pay for luxury skyboxes at Washington sports arenas where he held fundraisers for Republicans. Abraham Abrahoff apparently traded emails with, uh, with a spokesman for um, Tom DeLay in which he mocked tribal leaders as, quote, morons, unquote, and monkeys, quote, unquote. I want all their money, he said in the emails. All right, the hits just to keep on a coming. I am not making these articles up. The town of Snomish, Washington, ordered a barbecue restaurant to cover up a mural on the outside of the building which depicted five naked pink pigs. The design review board said the cartoon pigs were inappropriate and might inspire other businesses to paint their walls with images of naked people. How offensive can a pig be? Asked one confused diner. When was the last time you saw pigs with clothes on? All right, item from uh, Nevada. A California man is suing two Las Vegas casinos for making it easy for him to lose $5.5 million since 1995. Shibley Horani says the MGM Mirage and MGM Grand exploited his gambling addiction by offering him free hotel rooms, transportation, and bottomless credit lines. There are a lot of cases where people make their own decisions and choices and then turn around and sue the casino, said a spokesman for the Mirage. All right, item from Germany on the Reuters News Service. The creators of a fake advertisement for the Volkswagen Polo car that circulated on the Internet have apologized. Volkswagen said that it received sworn statements from the two creators of this 20-second spot, acknowledging that they made the ad but had not intended for it to be distributed. It was a so-called viral ad, very definitely not authorized by Volkswagen or its advertising agencies, in which a suicide bomber detonates his explosives inside a polo, which is parked outside a busy cafe, only to have the car absorb the blast. The advertisement ends with the Volkswagen logo and and the polo's actual advertising motto, small but tough. This reminds me of a a moment when I was a student at this fine university some years back, uh, quite a few years back actually, when uh, National Lampoon ran a fake Volkswagen ad. Volkswagen was running an ad campaign at the time showing showing the bug being driven out onto a river and then it would take a very long time for it to to sink and they said it was almost waterproof. (laughs) Prompted a parody ad which showed a Volkswagen floating on water. (laughs) With the tagline, if Ted Kennedy drove a Volkswagen, he'd be president today. Ted Kennedy didn't think it was funny, Volkswagen didn't think it was funny, and the National Lampoon had to apologize. All right, last week, Secretary of State Kevin Shelley, the embattled Secretary of State, uh, threw in the towel and quit. 
I, I've been wondering along the way whether, the, uh, you know, the way Kevin Shelley's been treated, and you know, admittedly, Kevin Shelley had some problems. But I'm just wondering about, uh, you know, the connection, possible connection between the fact that he decertified Diebold and that uh, there's some partisan allegations against him, which I've seen some some emails I've been sent said it the total amount to less than $2,000. I don't know. I don't know what the story is in the Kevin Shelley case. We decided not to follow that one on this program. But it did seem to us with some of the shenanigans going on in Ohio, you would have thought their Secretary of State might have gotten into trouble, but no. And... Um, Dateline Midwest, there was one article that caught our eye last month worthy of mention. Five Democratic activists who work for John Kerry's presidential campaign in Milwaukee have been charged with slashing the tires of vans that Republicans had rented to drive voters to the polls on Election Day. Now, this is not okay. But with the widespread reports of voter irregularities in Ohio, as reported to, uh, to, to Congressman John Conyers, don't you think it's odd that that five activists that get uh, get charged are guys in um, nearby Wisconsin working for the Democrats acting badly? I don't know. And uh, by the way, lest it seem that we're always being hard on the Republicans, and I, and I think the Republicans deserve being hard on, um, well, we're going to address some uh, local Democratic, big D Democratic issues in our second segment. Stay tuned. But um, let's go to the week for their, uh, their perennial favorite on this show, which we, we like to update you excerpts from. Their good week for, bad week for section. Well, the week noted uh, last week, it was a good week for standing up to sin after a Tennessee preacher denounced two women for showing up at the church wearing pants and got into a fight with them as he tried to push them out the door. You're not wearing pants in my church, you demon shouted the Reverend Clarence Love, age 83. And conversely, it was a bad week for halfway measures after a Wisconsin inmate sued prison officials for funding her hormone therapy, but not genital surgery. Donna Day Konitzer, formerly known as Scott, is serving 123 years for armed robbery and assault. Her lawsuit says that by failing to finish the job, the state has violated the Constitution's Eighth Amendment prohibiting cruel and unusual punishment. Well, all we can say is, good luck with that line of legal reasoning. And uh, it was a bad week for special orders. After a Delaware man allegedly robbed a Domino's pizza delivery woman, then called her to apologize, then asked her for a date. She took his number and gave it to police. All right, this is going to be a whole potpourri segment, I can see. Let me, let me, let me, uh, let me pull up this Doonesbury I've been sitting on since January 20th. They're having a, uh, a conference. They're explaining how to uh, engage in interrogation techniques in the Middle East. And uh, the cowboy-hatted um, intelligence operative is saying, okay, so here are the key interrogation protocols we'll be covering. Panel two, stress positions, sleep and sensory deprivation, temperature control, dog handling, Cigarette burns, hooding, and beating, third panel. But remember, there is one thing that leadership, from the president on down, will never again tolerate in our detention centers. Digital cameras. <laughs> one of the students speaks up. How about cell phone cams? All right, let's do a few more miscellaneous items and, and talk about some more serious stuff in our second segment. Um, speaking of technology, 
The LA Times says that Americans throw away two million tons of computers, cell phones, and other electronic gadgets every year. Much of this waste is considered toxic. Technology products now account for 40% of the lead in U.S. landfills. I don't know if you noticed, but the Boston Red Sox last year won their first World Series, uh, apparently beating finally the, what's called the Curse of the Bambino, the trading of, um, of their best pitcher to the, um, to the New York Yankees, which many feel, uh, you know, may have jinxed them, if you believe in jinxes, for many a decade. Well, in the wake of their championship streak of one, the Boston Red Sox traded Randy Johnson, the most dominant pitcher in baseball, to the New York Yankees. Boy, you know, you'd think they wouldn't want to tempt fate after Babe Ruth. I think we need to get out and start afresh in the second segment here. But uh, let's close with one from Jay Leno. Zooming gas prices have everyone stunned. According to a survey, if gas goes up to $20, $30 a gallon, people in L.A. may seriously start thinking about walking the two blocks to the store. Let us take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax on KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Show me 